0: So good evening, everyone. God is good. We look forward to what he's going to do for us. We trust this evening. Uh, Appreciate the scripture that you read, Brother Larry. I'm going to use that very scripture to launch out into for this evening. And it is because I believe there is something for everyone. But I want you to know something about that something that is for everyone. It doesn't just drop out of the sky and land in your lap. You have to seek for it. This is a very scriptural principle, and I want to encourage us this evening. I think the whole reason we're here for this week, certainly for this evening, is to seek the Lord. And I want you to know that seek is not a passive word. It's a very diligent word. Jesus said, ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. But it's not a passive seeking. It's a very diligent thing. Jesus said, seek for me and ye shall find me. When you seek for me with all of your heart. So this something that is here for you tonight, I'm going to encourage you that you have to seek for it. The scriptures tell us that in him are hid all the treasures of God. And I've looked at that scripture before and I said, well, now, why are they hid? And it's because he wants us to seek diligently for them. He wants us to have them. It's not like he's trying to withhold them from us, but he wants us to seek, to ask. And another scripture, they that seek me early shall find me. And sometimes that is when everyone else is still asleep in the morning. You're already up seeking the Lord. Or maybe on the other end, when everybody else has gone to bed, you're still up seeking the Lord. I want you to know this evening that that is the way it was for Mary Magdalene when she came seeking for the Lord Jesus in the tomb. John 20 tells us that she came early while it was yet dark, wasn't even daylight yet. Here comes Mary and she was seeking for her Lord. And she couldn't find him. And a little later it got light. And all the rest of the disciples and everybody else came too. And nobody could really find him. It didn't look like anything special was happening. And so everybody else went home. That's what it says. Every man went to his own home. Except Mary. She was there before anybody else got there. And she was still there after everybody else went home. And right there. ...is when Jesus appeared to Mary. He appeared to her and he said, Mary. The scriptures are very clear that Jesus appeared first to Mary. I just want you to know, I've thought before, Mary. Where were the disciples? Where were the men? Did it have to be a woman? And I want you to know this evening, it did not have anything to do with being a woman... It has everything to do with how bad you want it, how diligently you are seeking for him. Jesus said, I say again, seek for me and ye shall find me when ye seek for me with all your heart. So ask like Bartimaeus asked for his sight. Seek for him like the Bereans were searching for truth in the scriptures. Seek for him like Mary sought for him. And I believe tonight there will be something for everyone. Because God wants us to have what he has to offer us. I would like to share a message this evening on salvation. I'd just like to keep it simple and I would like to put it within reach of everyone And I want to say right up front here that I believe that salvation is one of the most amazing, one of the most awesome subjects, uh, certainly that's in the scriptures or in all the world. I've been very impressed lately at the wisdom that you gain when you understand the whole picture. Sometimes we get a little bit of information right here about this, but the whole picture is bigger than that. There's a lot of wisdom in the whole picture. Truth reveals itself in the whole picture. And I was just thinking, if you knew everything there was to know about God, if you knew it all, if you could comprehend it, how great he is, if you could understand how holy he is, if you could understand how God is love, and if you could also understand man's wretched condition, man's great need, if you could understand with all of that, eternity, And if you can understand the beauties of heaven, and you can understand the terrors of hell, if you had full comprehension of everything, I just tell you tonight, I believe the most amazing subject that there would be, would be salvation. And so that's our subject tonight. We want to look at it this evening. I know that there are several different aspects of salvation, but one of them, and I said I wanted to keep this simple, so I want to just start out by saying, I want you to consider the difference for just a minute. The tremendous difference there is between all eternity, never, never, ever, ever ending torture, pain. Punishment, unending, condemnation, crying out, weeping and gnashing of teeth, complete misery, the blackness of darkness forever, total helplessness, complete despair, never having an end. And there's no way to get out of it. No way to die and exit. You are there for all eternity. I want you to consider the tremendous difference between that in comparison to perfect peace, perfect rest, complete happiness, complete comfort, total fulfillment, no sorrow, no pain, no tears, incredibly rich. Nothing ever goes wrong, ever, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, forever. And I just want you to know, I want to tell you what the difference is between those two tremendously different things. The difference is salvation. And brothers and sisters tonight, that's amazing, that one thing can make that much difference for all eternity for you and for me, for all of us. And you know, I'm not overstating my case. (laughs) If anything, I'm dramatically understating it. If you understood the whole picture. And so I'm just going to say this evening, there is no one here that is too busy to not have time for this one. There is no one here too proud to not bow to this one. There's no one here so self-sufficient that they do not need salvation. So we want to focus in this evening on the Lord Jesus Christ with a single eye. We want to fix our gaze upon him, upon Jesus Christ alone without any distraction. That's keeping it simple. We don't want this evening, we don't want the distraction that you are a good moral person. And if you are, I'm glad for you. But but that can be a distraction. I don't want the distraction of your situation or your gift or your ministry or how you've been treated or how you've been mistreated. I don't want the distraction this evening of church or church life. Or what church you're in. Or church authority. Distractions, 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 distractions. And and I know, and I want to quickly acknowledge that it's not really fair to refer to some of those really good things that I just mentioned. Good things, things of God, as distractions. Distractions. But I want you to know tonight that they can be. I I want us to, I think we've probably all seen when they were. And it's when we take our eye off of Christ and put it on any of these other things and make them bigger than salvation through Jesus Christ alone. Then they can become a distraction. Paul wrote a letter to Timothy one time, and it's, it's the scripture that Brother Larry read, and I just want to bring it up again here. Paul was desiring Timothy that he would be wise unto salvation. And he told Timothy how to get that wisdom concerning salvation. Paul spoke of the scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. And that's what we want to do this evening. We want to look at the scriptures to become wise unto salvation. And I'm just going to tell you this evening, the wisest thing that you will ever learn about salvation, the most scriptural thing that you will ever learn about salvation is that salvation is a person. And it's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm just going to acknowledge right up front here. I have preached this message before, but I feel like it's a message that needs to be preached because we need to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ above and beyond anything else. We want to fix our gaze upon him. I want to say it this way. Salvation is not a thing. Salvation is not a church. Salvation is not a lifestyle. It's not a tradition. It's not a diploma. It's not a graduation. Salvation is a person, and it's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to fix our gaze on him this evening. And I want you to know that I've been told that preaching a message like this is dangerous. It's dangerous because it potentially is damaging to church authority. It can be damaging to parental authority. You gotta be careful with saying it that strong. You gotta be careful with lifting it that high. You gotta be careful with doing that because it puts these other things down. Sometimes it can put down holy living and the necessity of holiness. It can put down The need for obedience. But I want you to know something this evening. How should I say this? All those other things that we mentioned, we're not putting any of those down. We're just laying the foundation to strengthen them. Do you see the connection? The, the, the foundation of G- faith in Jesus Christ for salvation is the foundation for all of those other things. And yes, they're important. Yes, they're godly. Yes, they're scriptural. But they have to be in their place. They cannot replace salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ because salvation is a person. And I'm just going to say, if you try to emphasize any of those other things without first Laying the foundation of faith in Jesus Christ alone, probably all you're going to have is a bunch of religion. And we don't want that. We want salvation. So we want to fix our gaze upon him this evening. And we want to do it by looking at the scriptures. So I say, let's get started. I just want to encourage you to get your Bibles out. And we're not going to turn to a whole bunch, but we are going to turn to some. And let's turn to John chapter 5. And we're going to read here a couple of verses, 39 and 40 of John, St. John chapter 5. Here Jesus said, and I want to say here, I don't, I don't want to say anything tonight that the Apostle Paul would not say. I don't want to draw any of my conclusions and go against the Apostle Paul. I, want to, I don't want to say anything against the Lord Jesus or that the Lord Jesus Christ himself would not say. But when we read these scriptures, when we read scriptures that are written in red... We are not only not saying something that Jesus would not say. We are saying what he said. So we're just quoting the Lord Jesus tonight. That's an exciting thought. That should put us somewhat at ease here. Let's look at verse 39. Jesus said, search the scriptures. That sounds exactly like the Apostle Paul. He told Timothy to search the scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. And Jesus says the same thing. Search the scriptures. For in them ye think ye have eternal life. That's salvation. Look at the scriptures to learn about salvation. And then Jesus said, That they are they that testify of me. Me? That's a person. The scriptures testify of salvation and they are testifying of me, Jesus said. That's a person. And verse 40 says, And ye will not come to me, that's a person, that ye might have life. That's just a little insight. We're just going to pull out a few scriptures. But they all fix our gaze on the Lord Jesus Christ. Really, the whole Bible does that, brothers and sisters. It's kind of an exciting thought. In the Old Testament, all the feasts, all the sacrifices... They all point to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've heard that anywhere you cut the Bible, it bleeds. And it's because everything points to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a clear message. It's consistent from one end, even into the other. Peter, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, listen to what he said after Peter and John had healed the the lame man that was over 40 years old, they made quite a clear declaration to the Pharisees who were questioning them. And this is what Peter said. He said, there is no other name. Now, it's a person. Whenever you hear a name or a reference to a name, it's talking about a person. Peter said, there is no other name under heaven. Given among men, whereby we must be saved, than Jesus Christ. That's a pretty clear statement. And you just think about it, and I'm not being negative when I say this, but Peter didn't say, You've got to be in this church, you've got to be over here. He said, There's no other name, <laughs> because salvation is a person. And then he strengthened it by saying, neither is there salvation in any other. And that's beautiful. Think about it. No salvation in any other person. No salvation in any other thing. No salvation in any other, any other, anything. You fill it in. (laughs) There's no salvation in it. Fill it in with good things. Fill it in with bad things. There's no salvation in any other I was actually sharing this message one time. I was invited to preach in an Amish church. It was an old order Amish church. And they asked if I would come and share a message on salvation. (laughs) And I kind of jumped at the chance. But I was sharing this message with them. And I had a burden on my heart. There was something I wanted to tell them. And, And so I told them I love the Amish. I work for the Amish. That's who I work for. And, I, and I, I appreciate them deeply, so I'm not being negative in any way. But there's two things I want to tell you about salvation. Boy, they were listening. I said, the first thing I want to tell you about salvation is the Amish church cannot save you. Whoa. They were listening. They were wondering what the other thing was that could not save you. And so I said, the second thing that cannot save you, because they, they kind of had this fear that they had heard that there was preaching out there that they had to get out of the Amish church to get saved because they didn't acknowledge salvation and all of those things. And so I said, the second thing that cannot save you is getting out of the Amish church. It doesn't have anything to do with it because salvation is a person. We can rejoice in that tonight. That's not dangerous preaching. That's what Jesus said. The scriptures testify of me. That's an exciting thought. And it's safe preaching. For all the other principles and commandments in the word of God. Because when you have salvation, you accept the whole person of Jesus Christ. You you don't just... I've heard people say... Well, they have salvation, but they don't really have a holy life. And I just, I I get confused with that. It doesn't make sense to me. Salvation is a person. How could you have Jesus Christ and live unholy? It's, It's the whole picture. It's everything. It's his blood. It's his commandments. It's the pattern of his life. It's his forgiveness. It's his love. It's his holiness. It's all of him that becomes part of us. When someone says, I have salvation and I don't have a holy life, you know what they're really saying? They're saying salvation is a thing. I've got this thing. But it's a little bit deceitful because salvation is not a thing. It's a person and it's all of him. Now, I'd like to turn to John chapter 5. This is 1 John. I, I encourage you to turn here. This is a really neat verse. You'll like this one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12. This is a really neat verse because it's very, 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 very simple, it's very easy to understand. There's not a two-syllable word in the whole verse. Every word word in this verse is one syllable long. We're going to be able to understand this. And so here we go. He that hath the Son. That's a person. Hath life. That's salvation. And he that hath Not the Son of God, that's a person, hath not life. (laughs) That's about as clear as you can get. I remember when I was in school, I remember math. I remember there were some things we had to learn in math. And one of them, there was a phrase in math we had to learn how to do. And it was to reduce something to the simplest terms. We'd have a very difficult equation, maybe it was kind of long, and you just, you'd start reducing it, and you'd narrow it down, and you'd reduce it some more a- until you got to what was called simplest terms, reduced it to simplest terms. Well, that's what this verse is <laughs> right here. It, it's salvation reduced to simplest terms. And yet, yes, there is some qualifications to it. You can't just claim salvation and not accept the whole person of Jesus Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. That's who it is. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Beautiful. I trust that we can understand that. Salvation is a person... David, even in the Old Testament, understood that. You read all through the Psalms, David would declare things like, Thou, that's a person. Thou art become my salvation. Thou, that's a person. Thou art my rock and my salvation. Thou art my hiding place. And in Luke chapter 2, when Simeon, remember Simeon, took the holy child Jesus up in his arms and blessed God. And I want to remind you what Simeon said. He was holding the holy child Jesus. And he said, Now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He saw a person. He was holding the holy child Jesus. He was looking down into his face the person of Jesus Christ. And he said, I have seen thy salvation. It's a person. That's what he saw. And you know how he said that? He said that because he had had a revelation from God. And that's what we need too. You know, a revelation is not something that you get by hearsay. The, the holy prophets of God, when they spoke, they weren't just saying things that they began to hear from here, and they were hearing it over here, and they began to address this issue over here, and they were just, they were just quoting things that they were hearing. burden that we should have for the world around us, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him should have for the world around us that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him have for the world around us that the God Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We we need that revelation from God. We said in the onset tonight that it's time to seek the Lord. That's what Hosea said. Set the plow deep because it's time to seek the Lord. And that's true for everyone here. There's something for everyone. But when maybe the oldest, maybe I'm the oldest saint here. It's time for me to seek the Lord. Maybe you're the youngest saint here. It's time for you to seek the Lord. Maybe there's somebody that isn't even in the kingdom of God yet. But that's a true prophecy for everyone. If you're not a child of God yet, I tell you, it is time for you to seek the Lord. It's time for all of us. And may God give us this revelation. In verse 18, here, 18a, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And there's no way to know how to quit reading in Ephesians because there's never a period. Paul just couldn't quit. He's just one continuous book of a run-on sentence because he was so excited. He He didn't ever come to the end of a sentence. He just took a breath and kept going. But he wants us to have this revelation in the knowledge of him that salvation is a person. And we're going to look more at Ephesians showing that salvation is a person. I want to emphasize several times this evening that when salvation is a person and you receive it, you receive all of him. You receive his commandments. You you receive his place that he gave you to fill. He is Lord of your life. The old man is dead. That's the only formula that I found in the scriptures for the old man. It's not try to control him, it's 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 crucifixion. I want to tell you use something. I'll tell you boys first. You're not married. But maybe you will be someday. When you get married, when you pick one of these beautiful young sisters over here. And, and you're really drawn there, and, and you get married, I want to tell you something. You get all of her. You might have been drawn to her smile, and, and you might have been drawn to some really outstanding feature of her, but when you marry her, you get all of her. And that's why there's a lot of divorces in this world, because people are drawn to some specific thing, but they can't accept the whole person. And sisters, I want to tell you the same thing. If you choose one of these fine young brothers and you become married to him, maybe you're drawn to his muscles, and, and God forbid that you would be drawn to his muscles, but if you are, I'm, I'm glad you got him, but you get the whole person. And I just tell you tonight, that's the way it is with salvation. You can't just say, I'm saved. And have an unholy life. It's a package deal. You get the whole person. And and the illustration here of companions and partners, I'm kind of implying that there's some negative things. There's no negative things in the Lord Jesus Christ. You get him all, but there are some requirements. If he he isn't Lord of all, he isn't Lord at all. I just just wanted to encourage you to realize salvation is a person, but it's all of Him. Ephesians is where we are. Ephesians is full of prepositional phrases. You know what a prepositional phrase is. There's always an object to the preposition. But Ephesians is full of them. In Christ is one of them. In Him. In Him, of Him, to Him, through Him, by Him, unto Him, by whom, of whom. Every one of those prepositional phrases is a person. It's not a thing. It's Him. It's in Him. I counted one time, I think think there's 85 times in the six chapters of Ephesians where it refers to in him, of him, to him, through him, by him, unto him. And every one of them is referring to a person. I want to just take a look here. You're you're open to chapter 1. Just in chapter 2, looking at verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, there's one of them, Now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes far off are now made nigh by the blood of Christ. We're talking about a person here. It's beautiful. And and Ephesians is full of it. Philippians is full of it. Colossians is full of it. And every one of them are pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 14a, it says, For he is our peace. And, and you get all of him. It, it doesn't say that you, you, you get peace. He is our peace. It's him that we get that brings his peace. That's what Jesus said. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. I don't just give you peace and I'm over here and I give you some of my peace. I come and dwell with you. You get my peace. You get the the picture? Salvation is a person. All of him. Thinking about prepositional phrases, one of my favorite definitions of being born again is to get out of Adam and into Christ. (laughs) That's just about as clear as it can get for me because we got to get out of Adam. Adam doesn't know how to serve the Lord. The old man doesn't know how to restrain himself. Just crucify him and get him out of the way and get in Christ. <clears throat> and you can say, well, Brother Dale, but everything isn't a person. The kingdom of God isn't a person, it's a thing, it's a building. Fitly framed together. That's not a person. That's a thing. And and I I know what you're referring to. That's verse 21. I believe. Yes. I want to look at that. This building fitly framed together. This thing. Look at this. Verse 21. The first two words. In whom. That's a person. It is. Look at this. In whom all the building fitly framed together. I mean, come on. The whole thing is in him. It's not just a thing over here. It's in him. It's a person. Even the kingdom of God is in him. It's beautiful. I think it's a clear message, and I love it. Now I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. I want to just look at a couple more here. And then we'll move on to another phase. Hebrews chapter 1. He's talking about in verse 3, I think it says, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. That's talking about Jesus to His Father. And it says, And upholding all things by the word of His power look at this when he that's jesus christ when he had by himself that's a person that's a person with nobody else adding to it when he had by himself purged our sins that's salvation sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high I think that's a picture that we need to bring honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. The way that's written right there, when he had by himself purged our sins, it doesn't sound to me like he got a whole lot of help from us Anabaptists. Doesn't sound like he got a whole lot of help from the charity circles. Doesn't sound like he got a whole lot of help from the Mennonites. I'm just going to tell you, he didn't get any help from any of us. He did it by himself. And we all need to come to him for salvation. Salvation is a person. <clears throat> I want the children to understand this. Thinking about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said that the life that I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God. I I think he said one place, that Christ liveth in me. Ephesians talks about us being in him. And so I just want to challenge you. Yes, it's a person, but is he in us or are we in him? (laughs) Which way is it? seems like the Bible talks about it both ways. And I don't know if you ever heard Brother John D. Martin say this, but this is what he would say about that. He said, have you ever had a campfire? And the fire's burning. And you add a log to the fire. And the fire begins to burn. Uh, Question. Is the log in the fire? Or is the fire in the log? (laughs) Beautiful illustration is both ways. It's so totally both ways that you can't separate it. And I just tell you tonight about the person of Jesus Christ. That when you are in him. And he is in you. There is salvation to the uttermost. I don't know how to say it. Hebrews didn't know how to say it either. Any other way than he is able to save them to the uttermost that cometh to God by him. That's a person. (laughs) That's where your salvation is. And I want to bring some assurance. There are people who struggle with their salvation. And I don't want to bring assurance to an unholy life. That's not my motive this evening. That's quite the opposite. But I want you to know that Christ will never destroy part of himself. He will destroy evil. He will destroy others. But he will never destroy part of himself. And when Christ is in you, and you are in him, There's salvation to the uttermost because Christ will not destroy part of himself. Does that make sense? It's beautiful. It's scriptural. It's truth. And we can embrace it, I believe. Now I want to just point out that there are lots of types and shadows in the Old Testament and Jonah is one of them. Jonah is a it's an in- I love the, to read the book of Jonah. Jonah is a man who tried to run away from God. But there was a point where Jonah made a proclamation. He made a very profound, clear proclamation. When Jonah came to the place where he realized that there was no salvation in any other but the person of Jesus Christ, he made a proclamation. And Jonah made that proclamation with... Uh, in a horrible situation with his head wrapped in seaweed in the belly of a whale at the bottom of the sea at the bottom of the mountains is where Jonah made this proclamation and, and this I believe story is given to teach us that there's no one here who has got so far from God that God cannot reach you there's nobody here Got farther from God. Let, let the natural teach us about the spiritual in Jonah. There's nobody in a more hopeless situation than Jonah was. I, I don't know how you would be able to beat Jonah. At the bottom of the whale uh, sea, in the belly of the whale, at the bottom of the mountains, your head wrapped in seaweed. What, what hope is there for Jonah? There, there, there's no church can reach him there. There's no. There's nobody can reach him there. No 911 for Jonah. No submarine can reach him there. It's hopeless. And that is where Jonah made his proclamation. And what did he say? He said, salvation is of the Lord. That's our subject tonight. Salvation is of the Lord. And brothers and sisters, I I don't understand everything about whales, but one of my favorite verses in the Bible is the very next verse. After Jonah got to the end himself, after three days in the belly of the whale, he finally cried out that salvation is of the Lord. And the very next verse says, then God spoke to the fish. I love that verse. Because I've been in some situations where I didn't think there was any way out, and, and God spoke to the situation. I, have you ever been in a situation where God has spoken? And when God spoke to the fish, I don't know what that whale was doing down there at the bottom of the sea. I don't know what whales do at the bottom of the sea. But when God spoke to that whale, that whale headed straight for the surface with an incredible stomachache. When he got out to the beach, he threw up. That's what it says. He vomited Jonah on the beach. And Jonah landed on the beach in a pile of vomit. And so I challenge you tonight. What does salvation look like? Sometimes we think salvation is so dignified. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes some really ugly things come out when there's salvation. Some really ugly secrets that we've been keeping hidden just come out. And Jonah landed on the beach right in the pile of vomit. And I want to challenge you tonight Jonah had been in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. Do you think he was embarrassed because he was in that pile of vomit? He wasn't a bit. Why was he not embarrassed in that horrible situation? Because he was free. (laughs) That's a picture of salvation. Things that you have kept hidden. Things that you think will be so embarrassing if they come out. (laughs) When you get to the point where Jonah was. And he just cried out that salvation is of the Lord. It doesn't matter who hears about what. Because you are free. That's the invitation tonight. And I'm going to open it up for an invitation. But first I want to tell you. Four steps that the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is the person of Jesus Christ. Four steps down that he took to become our salvation. The first step that Jesus took was that he became a man. Now I want you to think about that. Here's the King of Kings, the Lord of Glory, Jesus Christ, the Creator of the universe. Without him, nothing was made that was made. All power, all glory, all authority in his hands. He laid that all aside. He laid his robes aside. And he came down to earth and entered into a mother's womb and became a fetus to be born of a woman. And you can say, "Well, now wait a minute, brother, that sounds a little bit dangerous. It is dangerous. But love is so great that he did it for us. He became a man. It is hard for us to comprehend how far he came when he became a man. I don't know what it's like Maybe you like ants. I don't really like ants, but the Bible says that they have a lot of virtue, and so I'm willing to accept that. But they also bite, and they also sting, and they also, uh, they're just really ugly. The closer up you get of them, the scarier they look. But maybe you have compassion for the ants. Maybe you have so much compassion that you're willing to not be a person anymore and go down and enter into some female ant and be born of an ant. Does that sound dangerous? It is dangerous. might be stepped on. And when you're born an ant, the other ants don't feel your love. They don't honor you. He came to his own and his own received him not. The ants gather around you and kill you because of your great love for ants and I just want you to know that when God became a man that is a lot farther down than you becoming an ant it's not even close he became a man that's in Philippians 2 being found in fashion as a man. That's what it says. He took upon him the form of a servant and being found in fashion as a man. That's the first step he took. He took four. And every one of them is down. The next step that our Lord took is he became poor. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. I'm just going to read that. 2nd Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. I don't know how you are, but from everything I've observed, It is very, very hard for a rich person to become poor. It's a real step down. It seems to be quite easy for a poor person to become rich. It seems like they can adapt overnight. But for a rich person to have nothing and become poor, only love could do that. I had a friend one time. He did really well financially. He had a A good little kingdom built up, it seemed. And then things went sour and he lost everything. And then he took his life. He couldn't handle it. There was something that wasn't motivated by love. Jesus became poor. That through his poverty, we would be made rich. That's the second step down that he did. Now I want to tell you the third step down. He just keeps coming down. He became sin for us. Brothers and sisters, just think about it. How far down it was to just become a man and then to become poor. But when a holy life, when a perfect sinless life becomes guilty of sin that was somebody else's that's love. Can you comprehend that? And I want you to notice in every one of these steps where he stepped down, how far he went and how high we go. He became poor that we through his poverty might be rich. He became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Everything he did going down brought us up I tell you tonight, if we turn away that kind of salvation, there is no more sacrifice for sin. The fourth step. I'm going to read it in Galatians. It's Galatians 3.13. He became a curse. This stirs my spirit when I think of how far he went down. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. You know, the highest punishment is crucifixion. That's not like digging your own grave and standing there and getting shot and you just fall in the hole and then it's all over and then you're down there. No, this is when they put you on a cross and they lift you up high so everybody can see this vile sinner. He became a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And I've, I've, I've heard that song sung. They took him and they nailed him to a cross made of wood. And they raised it high and dropped it in the ground where it stood. And the blood that flowed to the earth below brought salvation to a world that had treated him so. He became a curse for us. I had a poem I wanted to read. Just a few verses about being a curse on the cross. I'll just read part of it. His feet were bleeding. In his eyes were tears. His hair was plucked. His back was ripped and torn. His visage marred more than the sons of men. And on his head the cruel crown of thorns. This is the fourth step going down. Led like a lamb and slaughtered by the foe, nailed down, spit on, pierced in his side, ripped to the bone and mangled on the cross. This was my Lord. This was the death he died. O shameful earth, astonished, now behold. This is the Son of God upon the tree. For you it was. For me it was. He died. My Lord, my Lord, lead me to Calvary. If we turn away from this kind of salvation, the person of Jesus Christ, the Bible has a question for you. How are you going to escape if you neglect so great salvation? How are you going to escape if you put your faith in something else? There's no more sacrifice for sin. It's the person of Jesus Christ. I want to open the altar tonight. I want to just give you an opportunity to come forward. I want to open the altar if you have not been born again. If you have never gotten into Christ. And, and Christ entering into your heart and into your life. You've never made that connection as a person. I want to open it, the altar to you if, if Christ is somehow second in authority. If you're claiming salvation, but he is not Lord of your life. We need to o- open the altar. For you, <clears throat> if you haven't accepted all of Him, I would encourage you do it tonight. I was talking to a young man <clears throat> a while back, and I just asked him, I said, Don't you want to just get right with the Lord? He's here, He's ready, <clears throat> He's waiting. And this young man said, Well, he said, We're having some church trouble right now. And yeah, I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus, but I thought I'd wait till this church trouble is over. So he said, see how this thing turns out. I looked at him and I says, what in the world do you want to wait on that for? You're going to stake all eternity on how that church trouble turns out? And you know, I saw light come into his eyes. That made sense to him. And he he was ready. <clears throat> I remember asking another young man one time, don't you want to be a child of God? Don't you want to secure salvation for your heart? And I remember what he said. He said, well, yeah, but he said, I just want to work through some things first. I'm working through some things, and I want to work through some things first. And then maybe... <clears throat> And again, I I looked at him and I said, why do you want to do that? You might not ever work through things. Accept Jesus into your life and you'll be able to work through a lot of things real quick. And so I'm just challenging you. I don't know where you're at this evening. What in the world could hold you back? If there's something holding you back tonight, it's crazy. It's stupid. There's really no word for it. He is here. Hallelujah. He is here. Amen. We can can secure salvation by faith in him, giving him everything. So let's open our songbooks to hymn number 395. I like the I like all the words in this song, but I like the words that say, Hold over my being absolute sway. In other words, I don't want to have anything to I don't want to have any holding back here. I, I want you to have absolute sway. You give God that much liberty, he will take it. Maybe you're thinking, nah, Dale, there's there's too much I'd have to give up. I'm not sure it'd be worth it. So many things I couldn't do anymore. I'm not sure it's worth it. I'm not sure it's worth the price it would cost to be a Christian. And if that's the way you're thinking, I want to say this to you. My friend, you don't pay the price to be a Christian. That price has already been paid. My friend, you pay the price not to be a Christian. And that price you will pay in full for all eternity. The door is open. Let's sing 395. Whoever the brother is that led the music, it was such a wonderful job. Could you start that song? Let's all stand. <clears throat> I don't know where we are. Yes, I know. No I think I want to say, <clears throat> I'm thinking about Levi, the publican. He was sitting at the receipt of custom. He had his little desk. He has a little stack of receipts. He was collecting money. He has a stack of money, and he was just there doing his job. And Jesus walked up to him. Had a long line of taxpayers taking money from each one of them. And Jesus said, Levi, follow me. The Bible says that Levi left all. Left the stack of receipts, left the money, he left everything. It says he rose up and left all. And followed him. Where did Levi. Get the strength. To get up out of that seat. I think the spirit of God. Is here tonight. To do that for anyone. Who desires to come forward. And have salvation. Even if it's not your own strength. Just yield. To the Lord tonight. And you can be saved. Let's sing this last verse. with pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the holy scriptures that testify that you are salvation. Father, we come to you tonight. We put our faith in you. And whatever level of challenge the Holy Spirit has done a work in our heart tonight, may each one here yield their life to your leading. We do believe that there is something for everyone here tonight, this week, before us. We pray that you would be with us and strengthen us as we meet in your name and hear the teaching and the scriptures. Father, I pray that you would bless each one. Bring us each to that place of salvation and of rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that in filling of the Holy Spirit of God, so that we can walk as children of light. We pray that you'd bless this evening. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>